Welcome to another episode of Splice Together. I'm Harper. She walked towards me. I saw that twinkle in her eyes. I knew it was time to do the nasty. And I like doing the nasty. She was a good kisser, but her breath was stinking. But so what? And I am Michelle. There's a lot of glare coming off that dome of yours. Squirrel nuts! And we are doing our March monthly roundup. <laughs> that you thought we were only doing pin minute from here on out. Forever. You wish. You all wish. We're back. We're back with a monthly no roundup. No more minutes. <laughs> and this month we're going to talk about all the times we watched pin this yes! month. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're talking about all the movies, or most of the movies. We watched a lot of movies this month. Um, Movies we watched in March, we're going to talk about them. And then... Movie Madness. And then it is Movie Madness. And then we're going to talk about some Oscar reactions. The good, the should, bad, the funny. Should we start doing YouTube funny. videos and we'll do like Oscar reactions and the picture yeah. will be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll talk about He said Oscars. what? <laughs> so let's jump right into our monthly roundup. Ah! Thanks, Howard Dean. And the first movie we watched a new, although it says 2022, but I'm counting it as a 2023 movie because it came out on Shutter this month. And that's Nocebo, directed by Lorcan Finnegan. Sanity hangs by a thread. That's my two cents. Good. <laughs> uh, a fashion does. Sorry. You can do it. A fashion designer hires a nanny from the Philippines to assist her in caring for her family while she is suffering from what she believes is a tick-related illness. I forgot that they, that's weird. Um, the nanny uses... Lyme disease is serious. Yeah. The nanny uses traditional Filipino folk healing techniques to heal, help her, but in the process of doing so, she uncovers a horrifying truth about why she's there and why her employer is actually sick. Starring <gasps> Eva Green. Wait. Hey, lady. Eva Green, <laughs> uh, Mark Strong, and Chai Fonassier. I'm not sure how to say her last name. Um, so, uh, what did you think about Nocebo? So, mainly watched this because Eva Green's in it. Yes. And she's like gothic horror queen. Did you dip him out today? She's my favorite. Um, and so... I don't think it's the most amazing horror movie, but I feel like it is original and it has a bit of a twist at the very end that I wasn't expecting. Um, and it had some pretty creepy moments. So it's kind of a weird one. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of mixed about it too. Um, because so what the kind of movie is built around this one big twist of like revealing what ha basically kind of what happens in the beginning of the movie. Like it's unclear, but like literally within 10 minutes I was, I called it. I was mm. like, this is exactly what's going on. And it was pretty obvious. I thought, 
but it definitely seems like you're not supposed to know until the end. Like it's supposed to be a reveal. It is a little obvious, but I do think the actual like twist at the end, yes. I did not see coming. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say is like the main twist is like pretty predictable. And like, I knew it was mm-hmm. going to happen, but then there's like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. There's like one big thing that happens after that at the end. So the, the climax is pretty crazy, even though you kind of know largely what's going to happen. It still works really well. Yeah. Um, I think the main takeaway and what I think the tagline should have been is white woman be crazy. <laughs> right? I guess. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, it's Eva Green. Yeah. She already has. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think some of the creepy part. I, the effects were pretty, pretty good. They're fine. Like there's a little fake tick that crawls around and a creepy dog. The dog is very creepy. The dog and the tick both to me are pretty well done because they, the dog especially, we were both like, is that a real dog? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Harley said it was. <laughs> um. So I ended up giving it three and a half stars. I did too. Like, I think it's not amazing, but it is worth a watch. Like, it yeah, was, if you it have Shutter, cool. it's worth watching, I think. Yeah, for it's sure. It's definitely not, like, I don't think we'll be talking about it in a year. No. But it's still good, good, decent horror movie. Yeah, agreed. You did it, Lorcan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, I, I got excited because I was like, is that a lady? It is not, though, right? Lorcan, no. It's I don't know, Lorcan, yeah. Lorcan. All right, so Morgan, the next... I hardly know her. <laughs> thank, thank you for that. Um, so the next one, I've I've watched a whole bunch of movies this week. Um, so Michelle told me I can't buy any new Blu-rays until I start watching <laughs> my old ones. Don't make it out like it's me. <laughs> so I've been... You're like, no, it's, it was I'm good... going to spend $500 more on movies I haven't watched. It was really good motivation. <laughs> so I've been watching a whole bunch of my backlog of like Agfa and Vinegar Syndrome and stuff this month. Um, so... Nice! Good idea. Yes. For me. Yeah. I did it. I didn't say it was a bad thing. <laughs> it's a good motivation. It's crazy. Um, so I have a, a couple of those to talk about this month. Um, so the first one I wanted to mention was The Monster of Camp Sunshine or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Nature is the full title no. of this crazy movie. <laughs> um, it's supposedly directed by somebody named Ferenc Larojet, which I think is not a real person. Um I think nobody knows who really made this movie. Like it was uh, a bunch of uh, student filmmakers or something. Um, There's no tagline, but the description, a scientist carelessly dumps some toxic waste into a river. The gardener at a nudist camp drinks the water, turns into a monster and attacks all of the nudists. That's weird. (laughs) Uh, Starring a bunch of people. Weird, weird, weird. (laughs) Yeah. Starring a bunch of people that I don't think are really in much else. Um, so uh, I actually ended up enjoying this a good bit. It's not like amazing by any stretch, but it was really fun. Yeah. Uh, this is the first in my uh, foray into nudist movies, which is kind of a funny thing. <laughs> I don't know. Wicker Man has some... Wicker Man's a little nudist, but these are like movies where it's like somebody like discovers like, oh, that's a thing? I can be a nudist? <laughs> it's, it's very weird. I don't have to um, wear clothes. <laughs> but uh, Tell me more. <laughs> uh, oh, we need a tell me more button. Yeah, I don't Sorry. know. It's um, <laughs> For the most part, it's kind of boring because it's, it's really funny because it's basically just people doing boring vacation stuff while naked. <laughs> like uh, going for a swim, reading a book, having a picnic, <laughs> like grilling out. Like there's like nothing happening. It's super boring. But... Um, there are some really funny things that make this movie definitely worth checking out. Like, uh, for example, 
particularly towards the end, there's like this whole crazy thing where like they call the army to help fight the monster and the monster's just like a guy in crappy makeup. Uh, And it's just like a bunch of like stock footage of like D-Day. That's so weird. Um, But uh, yeah, so the movie ends, uh, the guy's holding a brain in his hand, the scientist. How big is the brain? It's too small, I think. Uh. (laughs) It's not very real looking. And he says, this is all that remains of the monster of Camp Sunshine. And then he drops the brain on the ground and then he's like kicking dirt on it like he's trying (laughs) to cover it up. It's so weird. It sounds Uh, weird. And then, uh, then of course, he removes his clothes and joins the nudists. Um, (laughs) but, But the funny, then the best, my favorite thing is that after that, then they say, uh, there's a title card that says, uh, now is for a brief summary of the movie for those who wish to relive its magic moments. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a clip show of like for like five minutes of like just mm. clips of the movie. It was so weird. That sounds very weird. Um, it has a great little jazzy score. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's just like this weird oddity. It's not a good movie, but it is funny and mm. interesting. Um, so I ended up giving it three stars, which is more than I expected to. Um, just because, particularly because the ending is so bonkers. Yeah. That's the monster of Camp Sunshine or how I learned to stop worrying and love nature. Okay. Uh, so our next movie, or is it streaming anywhere? Oh, uh, I forgot to check. I think it's on Tubi. It's on Tubi, people. Oh, yeah. Well, our next movie was... A special screening of Leprechaun. I want me gold! <laughs> From 1993, directed by Mark Jones. So we went and saw this at the Plaza Theater on VHS tape. Projected onto a I movie say screen. VH, you say S. VHS. VHS. <laughs> okay. Now that's over with. So your luck just ran out. That's the tagline. Oh, that's a pretty good tagline. A horrific leprechaun goes on a rampage after his precious bag of gold coins is stolen. I want me gold! (laughs) He uses all of his magical destructive powers to trick, terrorize, and kill anyone who is unlucky enough to hinder his relentless search. In a frantic attempt to survive the wrath of the leprechaun, Tori and her friends scramble to find the only weapon known to kill this Irish monster, a four-leaf clover. Oh, boy. Starring, but wait till you hear this cast, Warwick Davis and Jennifer Aniston. And Ken Olant and Mark Holton, Robert High Gorman, Shay Duffin. Well, we knew one guy, the other guy. Yeah, I was trying to find which one is um from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, Mark Holton. He played Ozzy. Mark Holton, who is Francis. <laughs> In Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Okay, so we mostly went I mm, I don't think I've ever seen this movie before. No, I'd seen one of them on TV, uh, like on Halloween when I was a kid, and it actually scared me out when I was like eight years old or something. Uh, but I don't I think definitely it was saw this one. Pumpkinhead on TV. Yeah, same. <laughs> but I don't know about Leprechaun. So we went into it knowing very little, and I was actually had my hopes up. I thought it was gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's a big VHS event. <laughs> but yeah, it ended up being. That is one big pilot. S-H-I-T. And I, I'm really surprised at myself at how little I liked this. Because yeah, <laughs> it was just so boring. <laughs> it was. There's like a very fine line between like really fun, like crappy horror movie yeah. and just really boring and dumb. Like this, and seeing it in a packed theater, you would think we'd have would have had fun. I mean, that was a little <laughs> better. Like if we had watched it at home, I might have like turned it off. Probably. <laughs> like, can we go do something else? Yeah. It <laughs> Put was on troll bad. two. <laughs> um, but hey, it did have one great thing that um 
hopefully if I found a clip, we'll have used it at the beginning of the episode when uh, they keep, so Ozzy's like this kind of like goofball dopey mm-hmm. character and they keep saying this kid finds the gold and he's like, we're going to use this gold to, to make you smart again. <laughs> Brain to operation. Get you brain surgery. <laughs> they bring it up multiple times. It's like this is really. And Deborah Aniston's like, "Oh, honey, you can't have brain surgery to make yourself smarter." <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. Um, so some good things. I think the leprechaun design is is mostly fine. Yeah, no, he looks cool. He looks creepy enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but the. I don't know how much is actually based on real folklore, but some of it was ridiculous. <laughs> like, I've never heard of this four-leaf clover thing. Like, is that real? I don't know. I have heard of the shoes thing. Yeah, so in order to, like, escape, they start sh- uh, throwing all of Beverly Hills' Jennifer Aniston's shoes out the door, and he's, like, so distracted, he has to polish them all. Which, yeah, <laughs> they do that, but then, like, they don't do it again. Like, they Yeah, just, just keep, keep doing, doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the big thing to me is this movie just feels almost like it doesn't have a plot. Like what you read out is like literally everything that happens in the movie. Like, yeah, it's very thin. Yeah. Although there's that one guy from the beginning of the movie that she goes to find him in the hospital later. Yeah. And then he's like dying in the <laughs> that elevator. That part was he's weird. Like, just leave me. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah, She's it's, like, I have to get you down. He's like, no, there's no time. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, it's I'm pretty, dying. <laughs> it's pretty awful. Um, and then Jennifer Aniston is basically displaying Rachel, which oh, 100%. maybe Jennifer Aniston is Rachel. Yeah, I don't know. She's definitely playing Rachel, <laughs> like beginning of Friends era Rachel. But it's funny because I guess when this came out, she's supposed to be like obnoxious California. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, no, she's actually pretty smart. <laughs> her, her like, I don't eat meat is like, yeah, that's fine. Like, that's not weird. <laughs> yeah. Kind of There's funny. something else where or she's like. It's 1993, Dad, or like I'm gonna do this because I'm an independent woman. It's yeah. supposed to be like, oh, she's so ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, no, good for her. She is gonna go paint the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Are we gonna watch all the leprechauns? No. Oh my god. I want to no. see a leprechaun in the hood. What about leprechaun in space? Mm. Isn't is there one leprechaun in space, or did I make that up? There is leprechaun four. In space. Yes. Oh, God. Does it look great? Uh, mm, You tell me. Oh, boy. (laughs) Looks like, is it the future? Is this a, like, what was it, Jason X thing? Probably. Well, we, we know... Every franchise, when they're fan, when every horror franchise, when it's failing, goes one of three places. Wait, let me just read this okay, first sentence. On a planet in a distant galaxy, a power-hungry leprechaun holds a beautiful alien princess hostage in order to marry her for her royal title. <laughs> wow! So we know what Leprechaun Four is about. <laughs> but for some reason, they have a picture of the moon with an American flag on it. Wow. So anyway. Uh, yeah, every failing horror franchise goes to A, the hood, B, space, or C, uh, a virtual reality video game. So Hellraiser went to all three, I think, maybe. <laughs> so apparently there's like Leprechaun 2, 3, 4 are part of the series, but Leprechaun in the hood is like almost a remake and it has its own sequel. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like 10 years after oh, the man. original, so... That's so crazy. Sounds like there's a complicated leprechaun franchise. Don't, don't get me interested, <laughs> please. Uh, I gave Leprechaun two out of five and say Harper says don't check it out. I gave it two stars as well, but 
I will say go check out the weird news story where the leprechaun is in the hood and it's oh, yes. like in real life. <laughs> in her real life and so they're it's like a leprechaun <laughs> news story. Yeah. And the guy's like, This is an ancient leprechaun flute. Yeah. And they have a sketch. The sketch is the oh my best God, the part. Ske- <laughs> <laughs> the sketch is so funny. Eyewitness sketch. <laughs> oh my god, I, I forgot about that. It's so funny. That's true. So yeah. Leprechaun. It's on the Roku channel. I don't know if that means it's free or not. I don't though, know either. But either way, you shouldn't watch it. I don't think you need to revisit this. Nope. Ever. Nope. <laughs> All right. Next movie. All right. Next one is another one I watched on my own. This is called Rush Week from 1989, directed by Bob Bralver. That sounds like another fake name. Mm. There's a killer on the campus. What a terrible tagline. Uh, Tony, a journalism student. Trans- Tori and Tony, two female leads. That's weird. Um a journalism student transfers to a new college where several co-eds begin to disappear under suspicious circumstances. She decides to investigate the mystery on her own and soon finds herself becoming embroiled in a twist-filled saga of deeply buried secrets which attract the attention of a sadistic killer who will stop at nothing to hide the truth. Mm, bum, bum, bum. So, uh, this stars Pamela Ludwig, Dean Hamilton, uh, yeah, a bunch of people I've never seen in anything else, I don't think. Um... Although, I feel like the main girl was in something. Maybe not. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, Rush Week. So, this is like a... Uh, this is a kind of college campus slasher um, that I had never seen before. This is a Vinegar Syndrome one. Um, it's not like top tier, but it's not like total garbage either, like a lot of their stuff. It's actually pretty... It's kind of fun. Um, I will say it is kind of annoying that like, you know, slashers tend to be like... The two things that slashers tend to be known for are like you know, creative gore kills and like lots of like, you know, uh, sex and nudity kind of stuff. And this one definitely leans are more on that because it feels like it's more like a, a lot of the movie feels more like it's a college comedy than I, uh, than a slasher for a lot of it. It's like a college comedy in which there's a guy running around with an ax killing people. Yeah. <laughs> so like the college comedy part of it is pretty lame and not really very interesting. Um, but uh, the climax of the movie is surprisingly well done. It's like pretty well court. There's like a there's a fight between two guys with axes, uh, and it's surprisingly tense. And it has a pretty good twist on who the killer actually is. So um, I was kind of bored through a chunk of it, but then by the end was like, oh, that's pretty good. It's not bad. Um, so it's not one I would necessarily highly recommend, but as like a slasher completist, it's definitely worth checking out. Can you ever complete a slasher movie? No, so no. Many. <laughs> you can't do that. Um, so, uh, I ended up giving it three stars. Um, it is not streaming anywhere. So I think you can rent it on Amazon or buy it on vinegar syndrome. Lame. Rush week. Will you give it three stars? Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. So next Marie. It's a weird one. Wild Zero. Mm. So this movie came out in 1999. And my internet stopped working. (laughs) Okay, here it is. Directed by Tetsuro Takuchi. Trash and chaos with four S's (laughs) and four exclamation points. What a great tagline. I didn't didn't see that before. Only legendary Japanese garage rock band Guitar Wolf can stand between a race of aliens from destroying Earth with an army of zombies. Real real band. Yeah. Actual band. Starring Guitar Wolf, Bass Wolf, Drum Wolf. (laughs) Where's like Vocal Wolf? Oh, there's only three of them. Uh, Masashi Endo and Kwanchara Sitachi. 
Shitsuki. Shitsuki. <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. I'm so bad at names. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was kind of a wild card pick because Indeed. I had seen someone tweet about it and then I watched the trailer and I was like, huh, this seems like it could be fun for our like rock horror genre mm-hmm. <laughs> that we've been watching. Um, and it it actually ended up being a lot of fun. It was. It was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed this a lot. Uh, I did think it dragged a little bit in the beginning trying to like get stuff started. Yeah. And it's super all over the place, but it's enjoyable and pretty wild. Wild Zero. Mm-hmm. Wild. The name has like nothing to do with anything except that it's apparently one of their songs. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, the effects are a little outdated because oh, it's terrible. like 1999. They're terrible, <laughs> but it's kind of great. And I was mostly confused the entire time. There's there's sort of a plot. Uh, but yeah, for any like rock and roll horror movie fan, this is definitely worth seeing. Yeah, uh, yeah, so I wrote that this is one of the movies with the highest uh, what is happening quotients yeah. that I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but it also has the craziest wardrobe design I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's the talk wardrobe about design is insane. Most of the characters are dressed as like 50s greaser, like rock and roll guys. Yes. But then like there's like this secret agent woman or maybe she's like an arms dealer. I don't really yes. know. Um, she's an arms dealer. I'm trying to remember what her outfit consisted of. Because now I'm it blanking. started off like just regular military jumpsuit, yeah. but then it turned into this plaid bodysuit, oh, right. which isn't really a bodysuit because it has no pants. It's just like a unitard, yeah, um, with fur collar and cuffs, uh-huh. and and she just like changes into this and just sort her of randomly shoes or like platform that match the plaid. I oh don't yeah, know. And she like, just carries her own giant guns. It and is stuff. totally insane. Yeah, yeah, it's like who are you? But the main villain guy is has a crazy. Oh yeah, he wears all these lace up su- booty shorts, super super <laughs> short shorts that have like yeah like frills on the side or something. Yeah, yeah it's totally crazy. And he always has like a different wig on. He's just uh-huh. like. He seems like he would be an Austin Powers villain, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, um, the music is awesome in the movie. Yeah. I mean, I assume it's I did all enjoy the music. It's kind of just a music world. video for them. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, love has no boundaries, nationalities, or genders. Do it! The trans, trans, positive trans love story. Which was great. <laughs> yeah, because one guy freaks out when he finds out this cute girl he likes is trans. And then he's like, she has a, a penis or whatever. But says. then the ghost of the... Yeah, ghost or... He's not really a ghost because he's alive. Whatever. Yeah, Guitar Wolf just appears to him he's with like, his guitar. do it! Yeah. <laughs> Rock and roll! Yeah. The, my, one of my favorite parts is when um, Guitar Wolf jumps from a blo- an exploding building and just goes, Rock and roll! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and also, he pulls a sword out of his guitar that destroys that a giant spaceship. Yeah, all that. Because he carries his guitar the entire mm-hmm. movie. He never doesn't have it. That's true. His name is Guitar Wolf. Yeah. So this would definitely be fun with a group. Yes. I think. Uh, how would you rank this among some of the other rock and roll horror movies we've seen? Like, uh, what, what did we watch at Halloween stuff? Black Roses and Rock and Roll Nightmare and... Um, wasn't there another one we watched? There's definitely more, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm blanking on the other one. I think there was a third one, but uh, this one, it's I probably like it more. Yeah, I like this a lot. Actually, I would watch this again for sure. This was this yeah. might even go on my discoveries list. For the Ooh, year. 
So I picked a movie that Harper loves based on someone's random tweet. That happens. <laughs> you act like it never happens. That happens every year. I need a Michelle was right button. <laughs> you were so wrong. Yeah. Um, also, the poster is great. So Yeah, it is. Also, isn't there like a dedication to George Romero too? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we didn't there even mention that this been. movie has zombies in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has aliens that cause zombies to come back to life, but only in this one place where a meteor fell. It's really meteorite. Yeah. <laughs> Kaido, I think. I don't remember. It's amazing. So it's pretty wild. Anyone pretty can wild. come borrow it because. I spent $17 on Amazon for it. <laughs> yeah. It's not streaming. On the, on the Synapse DVD. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I gave it three and a half stars. Four for Woo. me. <laughs> that uh, is Wild Zero. Check it out. Harper and me shall say, check it out. Um, so next up is another one I watched. Not on my own, though. I watched this with my good buddy, Kyle. He came over and we had a, a trash double feature. Y'all are so trashy. So we watched uh, Red Spirit Lake, which I'm not going to go into too much, although that was pretty wild SOV <laughs> stuff. Um, but the main one I wanted SOV to talk about... SOV means shot on video. Correct. Uh, <laughs> main one I wanted to talk about was a movie called FX from 1979, directed by Dusty Nelson. Making movies can be murder. 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 Uh, some crew members of a company shooting a horror film begin to suspect that the killings in the movie are real and that they are actually making a snuff film. Uh, uh, Starring none other than Joseph Pilato from Day of the Dead, John Harrison, the composer of uh, uh, Creep Show and Day of the Dead, uh, 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 Tom Savini. The makeup art, famous uh, horror makeup artist. What and isn't some other Tom folks. <laughs> uh, Susan Chapek. I don't know if any of these other, yeah, she's not, hasn't really been in anything else. Bernard McKenna. She's in Life of Brian, but that's it. Or he's in Life of Brian, I mean. Um, anyways, so this was really cool. I really like this. So this was like a lost movie for a long time. They made it in 79 and then something went bad with the distribution deal and it didn't get, re didn't get actually released anywhere until like 2004. Yeah. Um, and then Agfa put out like a really nice restoration with a bunch of behind the scenes and stuff uh, a couple years ago. Um, it really does a good job of blurring the lines uh, so that you get as confused as the characters about whether you're watching the movie effects or the movie within the movie that they're making, which I can't remember what it's called. Um, and um, yeah, so it's just this really kind of, cool meta horror movie where like, yeah, they're making this movie. And then the director of the movie played by John Harrison, uh, he shows them this supposedly like a real snuff film and they're all like, Oh, this is weird. Like, I don't like this. And then, yeah, eventually it becomes a thing where like Joseph Pilat is the, the cinematographer and then they start to like come after him and it's like, is this part of the movie or is this part, this like, isn't part of the movie? Yeah. Like it gets really <laughs> blurry and confusing and it's just, re it's really effective the way it's made. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely watch this again sometime. I think you might even like this. Um, it's not shot on video. Thank shot on God. Film, <laughs> uh, but certainly pretty low budget. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and it's a nice little, a cool time capsule of like, all these people that were kind of in George Romero's uh, orbit at the time, um, you know, doing their kind of making their own thing for pennies on the side, which is pretty cool. 
Um, so I enjoyed this. Uh, I gave it three and a half stars. Okay. It's currently streaming on Tubi. Okay. Uh, and that is Effects from 1979. So next up is a new movie. <laughs> we went out and saw, spent our good hard-earned money on Scream 6. No! <laughs> Isn't it sad that that's now our reaction to a new screen movie? Aww. <laughs> um, so, so oh, directed yeah. by Matt Bettinelli Alpin and Tyler Gillett. Same guys that did the last one. They're collectively known as uh, Radio Silence, right? I don't know. I think so. Radio Poop, more like it. Oh, okay. That's clever. <laughs> new York, new rules. Uh. <laughs> Following the latest Ghostface killings, the four survivors leave Woodsboro behind and start a fresh chapter in New York City. <laughs> Starring. For the first time, I thought that maybe <laughs> Ghostface wouldn't attack me. It was the sanest serial killer I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> um, starring Melissa Barrera, <laughs> Jenna Ortega. Yay, we like her. Jasmine. we react to all of them just to the one. <laughs> Savoy Brown, we like her. Mm-hmm. Mason Gooding, Courtney Cox, Hayden Panettiere, hey, Dermot Mulroney, Liana Liberato, Jack Champion, Devin Nakota, and blah, blah, blah. Samara Weaving has a tiny pop-up Samara in Weaving it. Samara Weaving and Tony Revolori are both in the oh, intro. Oh, don't forget Ski Ulrich. Spoiler. Ugh. Ghost. Steve. Billy Loomis <laughs> I am glad back. that they kept Roger Jackson coming back to do the voice always. Mm-hmm. But okay, so we are not going to spoil who the killer is, but we are, we are going, going to spoil to the movie in the sense that we're going to tell you that we rip it to it. shreds. <laughs> yeah. And we will probably talk about the tool, like, I don't know when we did it our, might get spoiled. When we did our Scream <laughs> episode, we covered Scream 5, right? Yes. I can't, I can't remember. It was, that's when we released it in preparation for it. We have uh, grandiose plans one day to revisit some of our franchise episodes that have had new entries. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one day maybe we'll add the Batman onto our Batman one or we'll add Scream 6 onto that one. So, yeah, in that case, one day we'll get to, like, you know, evaluate it in that. But uh, Yeah, I feel like this movie's a little too new to spoil right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't want to give it away. But anyway, we... Didn't like it, just like the last one. Just so, like the last time. I will say, I think I at least enjoyed this more than the last one because people actually do die, even though there are some people who refuse to die mm-hmm. and they almost joke about it. So I guess that's just going to be their new thing. This person just keeps getting stabbed over and over again and doesn't die. Mm-hmm. And like, you know how much internal damage they would have? Like, they should be hooked up to machines at all times now. Um, But the problem is they kill everybody in the same way in this one. Like, it's either a slice across the belly or a knife to the face. That's literally the only two types of kills they do. Yeah. And that they was had the least this, of my problems. <laughs> there's a stupid scene where this, uh, they're trying to escape across a ladder over an alley because it's New York. There's alleys. <laughs> and it's like, I was hoping for like, okay, this girl has been like slit all the way open across her belly. Why is her intestines not falling out through this ladder? Like, that's yeah, what I was hoping for. <laughs> the, definitely the rules about who lives and who dies. Um, 
after they've been attacked are really bizarre in these last it's two like movies. It's like stabbings don't Some people count. like have their like <laughs> guts are like literally falling out of their stomach and then they're fine. Yeah. And then other people are stabbed once and they're gone. It's just yeah. like super. But even so, that really is literally my least of my problems. Like the big thing, the big two things for me that made this really bad is that um, the, what's her name? Melissa Barrera. Yeah. That plays the main character is so bad. She's awful. Uh, it's crazy to me that they continue to have her as the lead when Jenna Ortega is right there and everybody loves her and she's doing great. Yeah. She's becoming Every time like, she's in the scene, she steals it from anyone who's in a scene with her steals it yeah, from her because she's not a lead for this franchise. No, she's just kind of <laughs> very wooden and like uninteresting and just yeah. a really bad choice for a central character. I mean, she's like, no Sydney. <laughs> no, not even remotely. She's not. I mean, next to any of the characters, all of the secondary characters are more interesting than her. She's yeah. so boring. Um, that's a big, that's the biggest problem. And then the other problem is the same thing we had about the last one, but even worse this time is that it was just so, like we said, we're not going to spoil it, but it was so incredibly obvious who the killer was. It was. Like, we both had our own theories, and they kind of matched up. Yours was, like, right on the nose, and mine mm. was like, well, based on the second, like, or third movies and stuff, you can kind of figure out where they're going with it. Yeah. And the writing is so bad that it it's like, blah, blah, this is who the killer is. <laughs> it seemed really telegraphed, which is really a bummer, because... Even if the movie's bad, like if it, there's a good twist, there's like that's fun. Yeah, and like and that's a big part of the Scream franchise is like you would never like in the first four movies you would never guess who the killer is. Like it's a great yeah. twist in all four all four of the first ones, um, but in these last two it was like pretty damn obvious right from the get go. Yeah, and they try. I'm kind of. Gl- <laughs> it's so stupid. I mean, I am glad that they're not trying to force Sydney into this anymore. But I hate how they just say, like, Sydney deserves her happy ending. She's not coming this time. Like, that's how they totally just write her out of it. They pay her what she wanted. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, she deserves a better ending than that. Like, come on. Um, I do like that they brought Hayden Penantera back. And she's an interesting character. But the best part is between her, Kirby, and Mindy's little like horror back and forth. Yeah, that was fun. I did like that. But it's that. very short-lived, so... Because they only have, like, two minutes of screen time together. The only thing I truly loved about this movie was for, like, two seconds, and it served no purpose, but it was great, <laughs> was that um, somebody has on... It's, it takes place on Halloween, which I was one of my complaints. Is like, how long is Halloween in New York City? Like, the movie takes Should place over, like, there? a week or two, <laughs> yeah. and it's, like, every night there's people running around in costumes. Um but uh, yeah, somebody was wearing the costume from Murder Party, mm. which I was like, that's a great obscure little horror movie detail that I Yeah, I saw appreciate. a lot of obvious ones. We saw like the Tethered and... Shining Twins. And... Candyman. Candyman. Probably Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm sure there's a Freddy or Jason. Yeah, I can't remember. And then Samara Weaving's uh, Ready or Not. Oh yeah, she was running around at some point. Um, but yeah, it's it, I don't know. It's I think it's marginally better than the last one, but it's still awful mm-hmm. and and miles miles below even even Scream Three, which is the worst of the original four by a long shot, is still much better than both of these two. I think much better. Yeah. Um. But please just stop with the Billy Loomis ghost. Like, yeah. nobody needs That's this. That's one thing we will spoil. 
And then, um, so, man, I lost my train of thought because Scream was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about it a lot. Oh, I was going to talk about the opening. So when it happened, I was super pissed off because I'm like, are they trying to do a twist where that we just know who the killer is from the beginning? No, I thought that and was I was just fine. like, ah. <laughs> I think that's one one of the things I did like about it was that yeah, in the opening there's like, you know, you're kind of, kind of your typical, you know, surprise kill. Yeah. And then um but then the person, the killer takes the mask off and you're like, "Oh, weird." Mm-hmm. And so then my thought was like, "Oh, so this must be like a stab movie they're watching or something." And then that killer interacts with Jenna Ortega and you're like, Oh no, this is like in the actual same universe as the main people. Like there's no stab stuff in this. Um, so that's, that was kind of a cool little twist on the, on the intro, but still. Yeah. Yeah. So not a lot going for this. Um, just bring back Stu. If you're going to bring back anybody for real, real. it's like, we all want him. Just bring him back. Matthew Lillard fan club. I mean, I assume the next Scream movie is going to come out by the end of the year. Oh, my God. And yeah, they made this one start to finish in eight, 12, 13 months. And if it, it's definitely just going to probably be a Hollywood stab adaptation, just like the third one. Yeah, I don't know. Because uh, this like one, they were all in college. They've completely <laughs> run out of ideas. There's just yeah. no way to continue it. I'm sure they'll everything. try, but like... God, I wish this franchise would just die. It's so frustrating. Now we're at we're at a point where it's like f- essentially 50% good and 50% bad for this franchise mm-hmm. when it used to be like 75% bad, great and 25% not great but still okay kind yeah. of except for the bang- bangs. Courtney so, bangs. <laughs> I ended up giving it two and a half stars. Me too, me too. But I would probably Not lower good. it to two stars. That's right. I, I like the monster that can't blood better than Scream 6. <laughs> so don't at me, brah. <laughs> so it's still in theaters. You can probably rent it eventually. But yeah, don't see it. <laughs> yeah. Kinda, <laughs> or kinda fast kinda forward through it. <laughs> don't pay for it. I wish we Don't had. pay for it. It upsets me that we have lambasted both these last two Scream movies, and yet both of them have gotten ticket sales from us. So... <laughs> I wanted to go on discount day, but whatever. <laughs> Let's move on to a good movie. All right. Next movie, The Ninth Configuration, which came out in 1980, directed by William Peter Blatty. How do you fight a war called madness? Ah. <laughs> you going to go? Continue? Sure. <laughs> Colonel Vincent Kane is a military psychiatrist who takes charge of an army mental hospital situated in a secluded castle. Among Kane's many eccentric patients is Captain Billy Cutshaw, a tre- troubled astronaut in the midst of an existential crisis. Although Kane's own grasp on sanity is questionable, he manages to engage Cutshaw in a series of thoughtful conversations about science and faith that deeply affect the lives of both men. It makes it sound like it's kind of like a... Um, like a Robin Williams drama. But it's <laughs> not. Bit. No, it is wild. <laughs> this movie is crazy. Tell me who's starring in oh, it. Oh boy. Because it's the cast. insane. Stacey Keach, Scott Wilson, Ed Flanders, Neville Brand, uh, Robert Loggia, Joe Spinell, Tom Atkins. Moses Gunn. Huh? Moses Gunn. What was his gun? Moses. Oh, who's Moses Gunn? He's the dude who's like in Shaft and then never any story and Firestarter and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. 
I forgot about him. Um, yeah, it's a really crazy cast. Oh, Jason Miller uh, from uh, um, The Exorcist. Uh, yeah, a whole bunch of cool people in this movie. And Scott it, Wilson, when he's not old for the first time I know, time it's ever. like, wait, <laughs> I've that's never Scott seen him Wilson? not an old man. Yeah. <laughs> he looked, I, he reminded us both a lot of um, uh, Edward Norton. I was he like, did. He looks just like Edward Norton. So weird. Okay, so this movie is sort of amazing. Yes. It's agreed. really, really good, and it might make my discovery list for the year. Definitely making mine, so we're going to um, be talking about it again in like nine months. I wrote, it would be easy to compare it to a certain movie, but no spoilers, so I don't know if we should spoil it. Should we? It's old enough. Can uh, we? No, let's not spoil it. Okay. Um, but this movie, it dives pretty deep into the background of the main characters, like mental illnesses, and uh, it offers the audience a more like philosophical discussion on the meaning of life um but the film itself is super entertaining it's really dark and it kind of genre bends through a few different things which i think is really the strong point in the movie uh and then setting by focusing it on the military and it's setting it in this like dracula-esque castle Mm -hmm. it sets the film up for something that feels original unique and slightly mysterious Is that your that your um your pull quote they're gonna yes. put on the box? <laughs> yeah, I, I agreed with all that. It's um I think uh, the best movies ever made, I think, typically are movies that you can't really pigeonhole into a single genre. Yeah. And this definitely kind of works into that. Like it's uh there are a lot of parts that are really funny. Like we laughed a lot, particularly in like the kind of the beginning when he first arrives at the castle mm-hmm. and you're kind of learning meeting all of these the people there. Um, yeah, you don't know who's a patient and who's actually in charge. Right, it actually very becomes confusing. A, yeah, he like thinks he's talking to the doctor, and then it's, it becomes oh, this guy just stole the doctor's yeah. pants. Yeah, he's and like, give me my pants back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then it becomes like incredibly poignant, and like some of the twists and like the big climax the movie is pretty devastating. Yeah, um, and you some of the patients might be faking it, might not be. So yeah. it's like who's telling the truth <laughs> yeah like there's a whole like one of the big parts of the movie that seems pretty important and kind of the whole movie turns on it in a lot of ways is like there's this discussion of hamlet and whether um whether hamlet is pretending to be crazy which is like kind of the traditional read on it or whether hamlet is um he's pretending to be crazy because if he didn't, he would actually go crazy because of what's happening to him. Yeah. And like, that's kind of your, what you're questioning about all of these characters is like, are they acting crazy simply as like a coping mechanism? Because otherwise they would just completely lose their minds because like the things they've seen in war or just like, or whatever, yeah. um, just modern life or whatever. Yeah. And unlike like, uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, I guess that's the other like big mm-hmm. mental or psychiatry movie this one it is all based on the military like these are all military officers and soldiers after the vietnam war and just sort of like all the horrors that they've seen have kind of driven them to this so the military feels obligated to help them all yeah well and it's like uh i mean obviously i don't think this was necessarily not dealt with in this way and it was not a real true story but the idea in the beginning of the movie is that like, there's like an epidemic of people coming back from war that have like lost their minds and the military is like trying to figure out how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, the other thing I wrote was that I thought this was one of the best explorations I've ever seen 
of like a very specific brand of American madness and violence. Like, yeah. cause there's like the, there's a the whole scene in uh, there's like this big bar fight, this super violent bar fight too, that feels very like, you know, I think the violence piece of it plays in not just from like a war perspective, but just like in general. Um, yeah, this was super, super good. It was mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. I ended up liking this a lot. I did too. Um, and luckily lots of people can watch it yeah yeah I, i'd like to talk about it more but i don't want to spoil it for sure so yeah once you see it you'll know why there is a recent ish movie that a director like ago, made yeah. that it's like oh this he definitely got his idea from this movie yeah although that movie's based on a book too i think but well yeah, maybe they're, they're all, all based related on, yeah. it seems like but it's on tubi canopy pluto shout roku channel and maybe amazon video Maybe. Maybe. It says rent or buy, so maybe not. Oh, and we should also mention, so the director, William Peter Blatty, is the, is the author of The Exorcist, and this is based on his book, which apparently he considers to be the sequel to The Exorcist, which that's kind of pretty interesting. Yeah, because in The Exorcist, they talk about an astronaut book. who... No, I think they do in the movie, too. Really? It's like on the background in a t- on a uh. news story about an astronaut who lost his mind or something he like yeah refused, refused to, to go to takeoff or something yeah so it it's based on that hmm. but yeah this is supposedly his like the next next step in his like series i think there's a third book too that is something totally different although oh my god the the name of the book that it's based on is redonkulous <laughs> i can't remember what it is but it's so much worse than the ninth configuration well the ninth configuration is a weird title too they mention it for one second of like yeah what it means and i only remember what it's called now <laughs> it's something about yeah i don't know i don't know but um yeah anyways i gave it four and a half stars this is definitely Me gone on my too. discovery we don't have a like yay we did it button <laughs> <laughs> so when you said we should watch it i said nice good idea yes there we go <laughs> that's the ninth configuration go watch it yeah <laughs> all right so next up is for now, uh, the last movie I'm going to talk about that I watched by myself. <laughs> we'll see if there end up being more. I um, made it. <laughs> so this next movie is Limbo from 1999, directed by Tina Kraus. Uh, a woman makes a descent into hell after she kills a man she brought home as a one-night stand. That's like, the movie's very vaguely about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so this was another Agfa shot on video movie, shot on video horror movie. Um, and probably almost certainly the most interesting and best one I've seen thus far. Um, and definitely the only one I've seen that I would argue is actually scary. Um, this is super cool. Cause this is, I believe the only feature that Tina Krauss has directed to date, although it sounded like she was working on another one sometime kind of recently, but um, she was an actress in a bunch of these weird, like kind of, uh, I, I don't know how to describe, but these weird movies for wave productions, which you can look up. But um, she was kind of tired of doing these movies that were just like, you know, blood and nudity and stuff and was like, hey, I want to make my own horror movie. And so she kind of scrapped up the budget and did this thing on her own over a long period of time in like abandoned buildings and stuff. Um, and it's really cool. It's um, like you know, people say movies are Lynchian all the time, which is super annoying because it's just like any movie that's surreal is Lynchian. And like, that's not really the case. Like, um, but this, I felt like really deserves that, that, uh, adjective. Um, cause it's, 
it's got really like unsettling lo-fi video effects and this super heavily distorted soundtrack of music that's like really kind of creepy and um it also doesn't hurt that the lead character uh bears a striking resemblance to laura palmer (laughs) (laughs) um so uh yeah it's really abstract and experimental which is fairly unusual for most of the sov movies that i've seen that are usually very straightforward and and kind of like you know just kind of based on your average horror movie just made for nothing yeah um this is uh pretty unique and interesting. Um, so I ended up really liking this. I, this is one I would highly recommend, although it's certainly not for everybody. It's very experimental and, um, abstract, but it's really, really cool and, uh, well done. This is one I would love to watch again sometime. Um, so that's limbo 1999 and I gave it four stars. Cool. Oh, and it's on Tubi currently. Tubi has it all. Tubi, Tubi, Tubi. We need a Tubi sponsorship. <laughs> we sure do, because it's not free already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so our next movie we watched is Tabloid, which came out in 2010 and directed by... The Man. Errol Morris. Yeah. Um, so this is a documentary on a former Miss Wyoming who is charged with abducting and imprisoning a young Mormon missionary. The manacled Mormon case. Yes. So this is this is the guy who did all the documentaries we've ever seen, but mostly the Thin Blue Line and... Uh, Gates of Heaven, Vernon, Florida, Brief History yeah. of Time. So we usually like his documentaries, mm-hmm. um, but he chose to, to do this one on Joyce McKinney who I guess in the 70s was just really obsessed with this one guy and thought he was her soulmate and went to England after him while he's on a Mormon missionary and chooses to abduct him, seduce him, and wants to marry him. a strong word. Yeah, against his will. Um, Maybe, yeah. Nobody really knows what really happened, but supposedly (laughs) she chained him up and had sex with him to unbrainwash him. Yeah, which... We didn't live through this, so it was probably more, uh, people probably know this story better than whatever we're saying about Maybe, it. Maybe, so. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this documentary is weird <laughs> in a funny way, but also like, what? What keeps happening? <laughs> it is wildly entertaining, partially because the story itself is so crazy and just all over the place. I think what makes the story so particularly interesting is that both sides of the of the incident the main incident anyways there are a lot of crazy things that happen but both sides both joyce mckinney and like the mormon church both sound like they're pretty nuts (laughs) (laughs) so um so it's interesting to see them kind of go head to head in this thing and then just the lengths she went to to try and like win back this guy who then they show just like this normal looking like what's so special about this normal man (laughs) he's just a normal man um but the crazy, I guess the best part of this documentary, it wouldn't work without Joyce McKinney. Yeah. She actually volunteered to talk and be interviewed yeah. for this documentary about her well, crazy past. As nuts as she is, she totally <laughs> believed she was doing the right thing yeah. and that she was in the right for all of us. She this. still loves him and she still wants to be with him. <laughs> she loves him and she loves her dog Booger. Yes. That's the one of the later things that happens is uh, her dog Booger saved her from another dog attack. Yeah. And then after Booger died years later, she got him cloned in South Korea. And now she and owns had five, five little boogers. Booger clones. 
just so crazy. Yeah. Um, but also just the style of the movie is great. I mean, Errol Morris does such a great job of like, none of his movies are, are that similar. I think, well, I mean, maybe like Vernon Florida and Gates of Heaven are both pretty similar to his first two, but, um, like this is so different from like thin blue line. Like you, yeah. you don't really get the reenactments. It's mostly like interviews tied with these really like stylized, um, like animations made out of like the newspaper to, I mean, tabloid oh, articles. Yeah. Um, and like audio recordings and stuff like that. So it's all this, it takes all these archival materials and makes them like kind of brings them to life with these interviews. It's yeah. really entertaining. Um, I've been wanting to see this for a long time and I'm, I'm glad we finally were able to see it. Yeah, me too. Um, and I think it dives, I mean, you also, by the end of it, you're like, well, I don't know who's telling the truth really. Cause yeah. there's like, his side, her side, the tabloid side. It's like, because it comes out that she's like, has a torrid past sort of mm -hmm. like maybe nude, nude photos and stuff. And she was painting herself as like this very wholesome person just looking for love and romance. So, well, and like, that's not even like, it's not a problem that she was like, you know, potentially doing sex work and stuff, but it was, it's interesting because yeah, she puts on this whole different face on it. And I don't know, there's just so many sides to the story. It is impossible to know what was really happening between her and this guy. Plus it's insane. All these dudes are obsessed with her mm -hmm. and she has them wrapped around her fingers. And was like, Oh yeah, nobody ever has sex with her. <laughs> like, yeah. She won't let anybody, <laughs> but except for this weird little Mormon dude yeah. <laughs> who she's obsessed with. <laughs> yeah. It's super interesting and entertaining. This is like one of the better, I mean, this is, you know, I like these kind of wacky true crime stories and this one's definitely yeah. really interesting. And it's streaming on Tubi. Of course it is. And Pluto. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think we watched on Pluto and we were like, too many ads. Let's go back to Tubi. Yeah. Tubi's were the hardest. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, to be sure. Get it? To be sure. <laughs> I gave it four stars. I did too. And I think it's worth watching. Mm-hmm. So, next movie I watched by myself called a little movie called <laughs> My Cousin Vinny, which came out in 1992, directed by Jonathan Lynn. Truth, Justice, and the Gambini Way. Okay. So, two carefree pals traveling through Alabama are mistakenly arrested and charged with murder. Murder. Fortunately, one of them has a cousin who's a lawyer, Vincent Gambini, a former, former auto mechanic from Brooklyn who just passed his bar exam after his sixth try. When he arrives with his leather-clad girlfriend to try his first case, it's a real shock for him and the Deep South. <laughs> <laughs> so, this star is Joe Pesky. Ralph Pesky. Pest Pesty. 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 What's happening right now? I should be able to pronounce that since my last name yeah, is ashy. also Ashy. Pesky. Pesky. Uh Ralph Machio, Marissa Tomei, Mitchell Whitfield, Fred Gwynn, uh Lane Smith. Also Fred Gwynn, he's our favorite. He is, is from Pet Cemetery. Don't go down that road. Oh, that guy? <laughs> He's yeah. the judge. Oh. <laughs> uh, there's probably some other familiar faces. I ought to run the car. Yeah. And Ralph Macchio is Karate Kid. Yeah, I know. Did you? Because yeah. yeah. I don't think you it. gave the right reaction. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Marissa Tomei. We love Marissa Tomei. TV's Marissa Tomei. Yeah. 
So I watched this because you were busy and I knew you wouldn't want to watch it. <laughs> so I decided to revisit it. Well, tell me whether I, it was worth it or not. I liked it, but as an early 90s movie, it plays very hard and like, oh, this is crazy. A Yankee coming to Alabama? Mm -hmm. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> but I think Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei are probably what makes the movie because their whole relationship and fish out of water stuff is very funny. Yeah. Um. I don't know. There's not much more to it, I guess. It's just like little comedic moments throughout and, you know, whether or not he can prove himself as a lawyer. Yeah. And Marissa Tomei has a great uh, hey, moment where she gets to school all the dudes on car information because uh, okay. <laughs> she grew up from a family of mechanics. So she knows what she's talking about and she schools the FBI expert on tire tracks. <laughs> so it's a very procedural movie. It's all like in the courtroom. Weird. That's not mm -hmm. what I expected. Minus uh, they're like staying in random hotels around the town and constantly get woken up at 5 a.m. from different weird southern noises like train whistles hmm. pigs mm -hmm. uh, there might be a rooster and there's something else really loud i can't remember so it's funny yeah <laughs> they're yankees in the south <laughs> oh boy <laughs> but yeah i liked it i think this is what she won her oscar for she's really good in it all right uh, and joe pesci is too <laughs> So this I, is better than he is in Home Alone, though. It's basically the same, <laughs> but he's being a lawyer, <laughs> and he has hair. It's weird. That is weird. Um, it's on HBO in Hoopla. I don't think it's probably like the Oscar-worthy performance that it originally was from the '90s. So it has it does feel a little dated. Yeah, but it's funny if you want a decent comedy. It's worth watching. I gave it three and a half stars. All right. Next up, let's take a, a trip down to Trashville again. What a surprise. Sorry. But this one we watched <laughs> together. Yes. Uh, this is Scary Movie. Nope, not that one. The 1991. Yeah. Directed, 91. <laughs> directed by Daniel Erickson. Tagline, fear is a state of mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't have anything to do with it. I mean, it does. He's afraid. I guess. Um, <laughs> on Halloween night, big time nerd, <laughs> big time nerd Warren attends a spook house in a small Texas town. But is the haunted house as harmless as it seems or has a psychotic mental patient found a new stomping ground? Ba Starring ba ba. John Hawks, actual actor. Uh, John Hawks. He's like 18 in this. Yeah, he's, he's super so young. young. From he's like, the big nerd. <laughs> yeah, he is big time nerd. From like three billboards and Contagion, from Dust Till Dawn, Rush Hour, Lincoln, blah, 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 blah. He's in a ton of movies. Um, I don't think anybody else was like really like went on to do a lot of acting. I don't remember. But um, this was a ton of fun. This is one, an Agfa release that I've been wanting to see forever um, because it sounded right up my alley. And mm -hmm. it was exactly what I wanted it to be. I ended up liking it a lot too. Um, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> and I, th <laughs> I think um, it sounded like this was kind of created by like a comedy troupe. 
I don't know if there's a comedy. Or at least troupe. some of the people in it were a part of like the Austin comedy scene. Like Maybe. the guy who laughs. <laughs> oh my God. He is like a comedian. <laughs> okay. I didn't know, I didn't know that. But yeah, I knew that yeah. this was like a big deal for like the Austin film scene. Like this was a they like named they the had like a holiday. Briggs. It was like yeah. scary movie day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because the movie brought so much attention to like the Austin film scene, supposedly, which is crazy because I had never heard of it until kind of yeah. recently. Uh, I was a little worried it was going to feel like slow or too subtle, but then I was like, no, this is just realistic. Like you would just stand in a haunted house line for like 30 minutes. So <laughs> yeah. it didn't feel like out of place Yeah, like the first all. like 20 <laughs> minutes is like them waiting in line to get in and he's just getting like increasingly freaked out. Yeah. And in addition to the fact that he's just like scared about going to the haunted house and nervous about it, he overhears the sheriff saying that um, some mental, some like infamous mental patient that had like yeah. killed a bunch of people or whatever years before had escaped and they hadn't mm-hmm. found him yet. And so he's like, what if he's in there? Yeah. Um, and so like the whole movie kind of turns on that, that you're watching them go through this haunted house. And like, sometimes it's like horrible things are happening and like the people watching think it's just part of the act and it's real. And sometimes there's like a double twist. Yeah. Where, okay. It, you, you <laughs> you're the, like, Oh no, it's the killer. Yeah, and you're like, Oh no, that was just, yeah. was just part of that. <laughs> um, it really kind of flips back and forth a lot with that, which is really, really fun and surprisingly clever for like this super, super low budget movie. Mm-hmm. Like it felt there was a, one of those times when I was like, Oh, that actually, you know, I, I thought I knew it was going on and I was wrong. Yeah. Um, but it's also just got great production design that's like really nails the like small town haunted house Halloween vibe with like tons of pumpkins and goofy costumes. Uh, the best creep I wrote the best creepy setting that some plywood, red paint and colored light bulbs can provide. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and the ending is really good. It's, it's a l- somewhat predictable by the time you get there, but it's a, it is a really fun way to, that the movie ends. Um, and uh, yeah, this was just a lot of fun. I think this would be a great movie to watch around Halloween. I forgot. There were also a lot of weird comedic like one-liner moments where like the sheriff get, climbs into his cop car and he's like, oh, get yeah. out of here, cat. And he just throws a black cat out the window or something. It's just like Halloween is like overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. Like literally a black cat somehow showed up in the cop car. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all that. these like superstition things like dropping salt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like his, his date like steals salt shakers just so later he can drop salt yeah, on the basically. floor like they keep or like break a like mirror and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, breaking mirrors, yeah. I kept waiting for him to walk under a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was a ton of fun. I would love to watch this again um, around the Halloween season. Yeah, it's very clever. Yeah. Um, I gave Scary Movie from 1991 four stars. I gave it three and a half. Harper says, check it out. So on Tubi, so you Tubi. can Tubi. go watch Tubi all yeah, day. Yeah, do that instead of spending like 25 bucks on it like I probably did. <laughs> but you can also buy it. All right. What's next, Michelle? Next is a new movie that came out like three days ago. Boston Strangler, directed by Matt Ruskin. Tagline, based on a true story. <laughs> no, no, no. no. S-H-I-T. You can do better than that. <laughs> so reporters... Reporters. Reporters. <laughs> Loretta McLaughlin and Jean Cole bravely pursue the story of the Boston Strangler, a great personal risk, <laughs> putting their own lives on the line in their quest to uncover the truth. The truth. The truth. Starring... Hey, lady! My man. 
Kira Knightley and Carrie Coon. Also, Amen. <laughs> we have Chris Cooper, Alessandro Navoli, uh, Navola, Rory Cochran, David Desmalchian. Desmalchian, I think. I don't know. And Peter Goretti. Morgan Spector. Yeah, he was somebody, right? Her husband? Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy from uh, that TV show. So I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do I haven't even written a review for it yet. I but, haven't um, either. I We're do really wing like it. it. This was, uh, I mean, some of the, I mean, we talked about true crime with um, uh, uh, tabloid. This is like the opposite where it is like this very dark and dramatic, like a little Zodiac-esque, I would say. It's trying to be very Zodiac-esque. It's definitely trying. Um, which I appreciate. But, uh, and I, I, I don't know that much about like the true story, but I did. I really appreciated the like twists and turns that this takes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's like a point halfway through or a little more than halfway through and you're like, well, that's it. And then you're yeah. like, oh wait, there's more to this story. And by the end it's like, oh wow, this is like a really complicated mystery. And uh, it ends up being this great kind of um, like kind of perfect thematic thing for a story about, you know, female reporters kind of uncovering stuff that like the, the male cops could not get their act together and figure out. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to spoil it, I guess, but like, you know, the end and the message kind of ends up being that like lots of men are awful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All Um, men suck. (laughs) Um, but, uh, not all men. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I thought this was really good. It's it's and it's great like procedural uh, reporting stuff, which yeah, sometimes that's always really fun to watch. I really appreciate crime movies like this where it's not like overly dramatic and they take their time to really explain everything going on and they give their characters and detectives like, okay, we're gonna figure this out with the audience, like to trying to figure out. It's like, oh well, remember they said this early on. Oh, that guy might be involved in Mr. like policeman. I gave you all the <laughs> exactly, <clues. laughs> but also uh, I haven't seen Kira Knightley in anything for. It's been a while. A while. I think the last thing was like Imitation Game, maybe. Yeah, she was in that movie like last year, um, the like Christmas Silent uh, Night. Yeah, Silent Night that I've heard fairly good things about, but yeah. So I'm a Kira Knightley fan. Yeah, I am too. I think she's I mean, great. How can you not be after Pride and Prejudice and yeah. Atonement? Come she's on. Pretty fantastic in general. In Phantom Menace episode one. <laughs> wow. I've never heard it. Have you heard of this movie, Official Secrets? No. Uh, it's directed by a terrible director who did X Men Origins, uh, Wolverine, and Ender's Game. <laughs> so if that doesn't mm. make you want to watch it. But it's about a British intelligence whistleblower. Real true life story, I think. Uh, from 2003. So that's kind of neat. That's probably the most recent to real time movie she's done. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were also like, wow, she's playing both an American and like a modern person. Although it's still like the 60s. So yeah, I still guess so. a period piece. <laughs> but m- most of her movies take place in the ni- 19th century. Yeah. Or at least like the 40s or 30s. <laughs> And then Carrie Coon was good, and then she's very yeah. tough. She's oh, a tough lady. Carrie Coon's awesome. <laughs> Cracking heads. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the actual crime part was interesting. I don't know how much, if they embellished anything or over-dramatized. <laughs> Given how, like, neatly thematically it ends up, I can't imagine it's 100% uh, accurate, but it's probably close, I guess. 
I I mean, I did hear about like some of the DNA stuff only tying some of their suspects to some of the killings. So yeah, that stuff. I mean, and then they have the probably took all the actual journalistic portions from the stories themselves that archival work. There's some archival researchers like, oh, I got to find all these old newspaper clippings. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, you definitely get a lot of those good uh, investigation montages. Yes. So, yeah, I think it's worth watching, especially if you like crime procedural movies. Investigations. Yeah. Investigations. <laughs> yeah. No, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was it was cool. I was really glad we watched it right when it came out. Yeah. So I gave it three and a half. I haven't rated it yet, but I'm probably uh, going to give it uh, three and a half also. All right. And it's streaming on Hulu. Yep. So next up is a movie I watched, not by myself, but not with Michelle. Who are you going to the movies with without me? I went to the movies with my good pal, Tori. Although you did ask me, and I was like, sure, I'll go with you, Harper. And then you're like, never mind, Tori's coming with me. I still <laughs> said you could come. I just said maybe I should invite Tori because they're all, he's also a Godzilla guy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> uh, so this is Godzilla Tokyo SOS by Masaki, directed by Masaki Tezuka. Three giant monsters, one violent final battle! Two exclamation points. No! Uh, <laughs> Mothra and her fairies return to Japan to warn mankind that they must return Kiryu, a.k.a. Mechagodzilla, to the sea. Mechagodzilla! For the dead must not be disturbed. However, Godzilla has survived to menace Japan, leaving Kiryu, a.k.a. Mechagodzilla, Mecha as the nation's Godzilla. only defense. <laughs> Starring a bunch of folks from... Japan. F- folks from Japan? Who I don't really know. Nobody? No no reoccurring Godzilla people? No, yeah, there is. I'm trying to figure out which one is which. There is one guy. Oh, man. Totally botched this. There's one actor who um shows up because he had been in a previous one. I think it's this guy. Yeah, Hiroshi Koizumi. Um, he was in uh, several of the early Godzilla movies, and including the original Mothra movie, uh, solo Mothra movie, which is why he's in this one. They like he's a recurring character. Like, oh, from when I met Mothra, like this is. Anyways, the fairies come back and come to him because they know he'll believe them. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was pretty fun. It's uh, it's the only one in this millennium era of movies that uh happens to be a sequ- a direct sequel to the one right before it. Um, and because of that, it feels very, very similar. Like it's again, like Mechagodzilla and Godzilla. This time they introduced Mothra back again, which, um, you know, I'm a big Mothra person. And especially when they bring in. You really are. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Especially when they bring in like the fairies and like Infant Island and the the eggs and the Mothra song and all that, all the stuff that comes with Mothra. Um, so I thought that's, that part of it is really fun. Um, the, uh, there's a whole thing in the back half where like the mechanic saves the day instead of like the pilot of Mechagodzilla, which like he fixes Mecha something Godzilla. and there's all this like theme stuff about like, uh, the pilots aren't the only heroes, which is just sort of like weird. It's like, I don't, I don't know what message you're trying to give you. Um, we did our part. Right. But like the whole sec, the whole second half of the movie is just one long extended battle between these three monsters, which is a lot of fun. So that's, yeah. that's cool. Um, so it was fine. It's not like one of my favorites, but it's certainly not on the low end of the list either. Um, it's one of one of the better ones in the millennium era, I would also say. Um, so I gave it some three and a half stars. I have one 
Godzilla movie left to watch, and then oh, I will have seen the it? entire franchise. Uh, Final Wars is the last. What year did it come out? Uh, like 2007 or something. What are you going to do? I don't know. I, I, I'm scared because it's that's. I've been watching these movies for like four years, like very slowly making my way through them and savoring them because I don't want to run out. So it makes me sad that I'm about to finish. You're so cute. You like to savor things. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, that's Godzilla Tokyo SOS. And I don't think it's streaming anywhere. No, it's not. So, Only in sorry. theaters. One yeah, night. they did a Fathom event thing, <laughs> which was just a weird coincidence that it happened to be the next one I needed to watch. Okay, so next movie, History of the Occult. The Occult, you mean? Occult, which came out in 2020, directed by Christian Ponce. Future is over. Uh, During the last broadcast of 60 Minutes Before Midnight, the most watched journalistic program on television, Adrian Marcato could expose a conspiracy and link the government to an obscure secret society starring a bunch of... Argentinians. Argentinians. So... I heard about this film. I think we saw it on a bunch of lists that came out in 2020. It's like, this is the best horror movie of 2020. Mm -hmm. And so we finally got around to watching it because it was finally available to rent because we kept thinking it's going to be like, it'll just get out to Shudder one day. But it went to Screenbox. We don't have Screenbox. Yeah, Screenbox is... Finally got to rent it and watch it, and I am really glad we did. Uh, yeah, I am. I was actually, I'm going back to look at 2020 to see if there were other good horror movies. I thought it was not 2020, really, though. Like, I thought it really came out in the States like 2021 or something. 2020 seems like a long time ago. Anyways, sorry, I'm way off here. Yeah, so. That's a good year for horror, though. Invisible mm-hmm. Man, Possessor, uh, Come to Daddy. His house, color of space. Sorry. Anyways. So this movie is in Argentinian. <laughs> I assume that means it's in Spanish, Spanish or Portuguese. I'm yeah. not sure which. Uh, Spanish. Um, so let's see. I was a little confused in the beginning of the movie, but it's kind of like set up that way on purpose it might make because i was like is are these real people is this a real show like i don't know much about like argentinian television programs yeah but it also seems to take place in the like 1980s 80s yeah so i was like okay this is probably like real people i just don't know what's happening um but i really loved how this film kind of like the story unfolds very slowly in a very like cool stylistic mm. way. And you kind of like, you're like, what's going on? What are all these people doing? Where, where's the occult? <laughs> yeah. And then you get all these like great, uh, live television stuff, like going through, like with the guy interviewing like a warlock on TV. <laughs> and then this crazy stuff happening with like his team trying to unravel what, what this conspiracy could be. But like, it's all played a hundred percent straight. Yeah. It is very weird. It is very engaging and it is very original. Man, and I liked it. I did too. I loved this. I wish we had watched it back when it first came out. Cause it would have definitely made my list for the year. Yeah. Um, I think it's super cool. Cause I tend to really like a lot of genre movies. I mean, you know, a lot of my favorite horror movies are like the thing and dead alive, like movies with big like effects budgets and stuff. But 
I also really like when genre movies of any kind um, make like a, a really big concept, tell that story with like no special effects and like very limited like cast and sets and stuff. And that's exactly what this is. There's like, yeah, there's like 10 people in the movie and most of the movie takes place in these like two rooms, like in the TV studio or in this like secret room where the journalists are like planning in their a house, like not coup, but like planning their like release of this, mm-hmm. you know, bombshell story that basically the government is like being run by a, a, a secret cult of Satanists. And then we're not going to spoil the ending, but then I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Cause that was kind of crazy. It oh, was crazy. The ending is totally insane. <laughs> and I had seen, um, other, well, I don't know that I had, I see, I've seen other reviews now and I'd certainly had the same thought that it definitely feels a little ghost watchy. Yeah. Which is a movie we both love. Um, and yeah, the ending is, is like vague enough that it feels huge and mysterious and crazy. Um, and just kind of wild. Um, and I don't know. It's just totally crazy. Totally crazy. I don't, cause I, I, I mean, I want to talk about other stuff, but I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I want to rewatch it or too. buy it and watch it well, because I feel like knowing what the, where it goes, I'll definitely appreciate more of the little things yeah. throughout the movie yeah, and I, I understand like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, well, I was just looking and apparently there's not even any kind of DVD or Blu-ray release. At That's least, crazy. That I can find. You can buy it on like <laughs> iTunes, but. Yeah, or it's going to be another metalhead that situation. Do. Yeah, it is. That sucks. <laughs> Because this is a movie I would buy on Blu-ray in a heartbeat because it is really, really cool. And I mean, I guess people did talk about it, so I am surprised because like we've heard about it. Yeah, I think in Horror Circle, horror got, list a lot and of, stuff. got a lot of buzz for sure. So it needs a physical release. Please, somebody get on that. <laughs> Historia de la Coto or whatever. I also thought it was going to be in English because the poster had it in English. And then when it started, like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also really short, isn't it? Yeah, it's only like 80, 82 minutes. So. Yeah. Just just hits all the points right there. Yeah, the only thing it lost points for for me was because I said, like, it's a movie that is so, like, limited and, de- and doesn't depend on, like, big budget effects and stuff. There's one moment where there's, like, a CGI effect that yeah. I feel like is unnecessary probably and it, it took me out a little bit mm-hmm. um so that was like the only negative thing i would say about it at all and that was literally like five seconds of the movie yeah also the entire cast they have like not been in anything really? going through them That's um, interesting. which is crazy because they are all super great in it yeah i agree the cast is really good and i just like, kind of assumed they were all so natural major actors in argentina but nope a lot of first timers, first performance. Wow. So we really, really, really liked History of the Cult. Yes. I gave it four stars. Four and a half from Harper. You can rent it on Amazon. I think it is on Screenbox, but we don't have that. Yeah. So yeah, definitely want to watch this again. I would say this is probably the best movie we watched this month. Probably. Probably. Wait until... I mean, I went and saw a pretty good movie about wrestling. Okay. (laughs) We'll see. Um, But yeah, History of the Cult. Go watch it. Yeah. (laughs) Wait. Nice. Good idea. (laughs) So our next movie I watched on my own. 
And that is Mermaids, which came out in 1990, directed by Richard Benjamin. Not to be confused with Splash. Yes. Mom is many things. Normal isn't one of them. So (laughs) 15-year-old Charlotte Flax is tired of her wacky mom moving their family to a different town anytime she feels it is necessary. When they move to a small Massachusetts town and Mrs. Flax begins dating a shopkeeper, Charlotte and her nine-year-old sister Kate hope that they can finally settle down. But when Charlotte's attraction to an older man gets in the way, the family must learn to accept each other for who they truly are. Starring, listen to this cast. Mm-hmm. Cher. Okay, go on. Winona Ryder. Go on. Christine, Christina Ritchie. Christina Ritchie. Hey, ladies! Christina Ritchie and? <laughs> Bob Hoskins. Mm-hmm. And? I used to play King Lear. Yeah. Michael Shuffling, who is in 16 Candles as the dreamboat. Hmm. <laughs> um, so... I had never seen this movie before, and I always thought it was about actual mermaids, like Splash. I thought it was like competing with Splash. Lesson learned. (laughs) And because like Cher's dress is a mermaid on the cover. So I thought she was like this mysterious mermaid. False advertising right there. (laughs) But guess what? It's about a coming of age mother daughter relationship movie. Oh boy. With Bob Hoskins. (laughs) So who knew? Uh, but I have to say, I actually enjoyed this film and I really loved how it dove into the different dynamics between Cher's character and her daughters. Also, Christina Ritchie is so tiny in this. She's like, I don't think this is probably the youngest I've ever seen her and her head is just as big as an adult. So, <laughs> so this is, this is before, uh, like what Adam's family and Casper and stuff. I think it's before Adam's family. Wow. Maybe, or right at the same time. I can't, I don't know. Um, But it feels really modern because it focuses on Cher, who's a single mother and she isn't afraid to like put herself out there. Mm -hmm. But then they balance it out like with at what cost though? Like she's doing like following her heart, running away, like wherever she wants to live, like changing up her life. And then it's like, well, then your daughters are kind of like struggling with all your choices and don't get their own choices in their life. So I think it's a good balance. It's very feminist. Okay. I like it. Where's Bob Hoskins fit in this so, manifesto? Bob Hoskins is her newest love interest and he's like the really goofy character he brings all the comedic moments (laughs) bob hoskins Hoskins brings all the humor (laughs) a little bit more than a hot dog but he's like he's obsessed with share he's like he (laughs) doesn't because like you know he's little he's like short dude so he's just like cleaning up his like hair and stuff whenever she comes (laughs) in he like buying her shoes because he's a shoe salesman stuff Uh like that he just feels very lucky to be dating her. Yes. And it's adorable. <laughs> um, I'm not sure where it really ranks on my coming of age film list, but I do kind of regret that I didn't get to see it when I was younger because I feel like I would have liked it a lot. Huh. Well, that's interesting. That's kind of nice to see that. I enjoy coming of age movies for that same reason because it kind of puts you in the mindset of when you were that age. Yeah. And then it's... Uh, I guess Winona Ryder, she kind of always plays the same type of... They always make her narrate. Yeah, like, that's true. Monster. All her movies. She's always narrating. Yeah. Um, so she's like 
religious obsessed, which is weird. So she's all about like, I have to live this pure lifestyle because like she wants to be the opposite of her mom. And so she's obsessed with like nuns and churches, even though their family is Jewish. And so there's a lot of like crazy stuff with that. Um, But then she ends up falling for that dreamboat who's like 10 years older than her in this film, which I think is inappropriate. (laughs) But it plays into the story. At least she's not dating Bob Hoskins. That is true. She's not. <laughs> so, yeah, I liked it. And I think it's a good lady coming of age story. Okay. I don't know how it compares to that one that I haven't made you watch. Which one? It's like the one they're all wearing like overalls and denim. <laughs> and it has Christina Ritchie in it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sisterhood. No, keep naming stuff. I don't know. I really want. Now and then. Oh, I've never even heard of that. But look at this very 90s, uh, 90s cover. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's about as 90s as it gets. I really want you to watch Housekeeping, that that uh, indicator movie that I got and watched a while back. I th- that was really, really cool, really interesting. Yeah. Uh, female coming of age movie. I think you'd probably like it. I liked this more than Now and Then, for sure. I'm trying to think of what other What's that movie with age? Natalie Portman and um, Susan Sarandon plays her mom? You know what I'm talking about? Came out like early 2000s probably. Natalie Portman movies. I love Googling on. Uh, As soon as you say it, I'm going to be like, of course. (laughs) Uh, She's been in so many movies. uh, I'm not seeing any. (laughs) Oh my God. This is terrible podcasting. Oh, Anywhere But Here? I've never heard of this film. Does it have a decent rating? I've only seen it once a long time ago. A solid three. Hmm. Hmm. They can't all be wieners. (laughs) It's no wild zero. (laughs) Anyway, I I liked mermaids. I said it. Okay. But maybe it's because I'm in a Bob Hoskins phase right now. (laughs) But Uh, Cher is actually a great actress. Yeah, I I give it up for Cher. I I think I've only seen her once or twice, but I always I've liked her. We saw her in Witches of Eastwick. Yeah. The Player. Oh, yeah. Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas Special. <laughs> wow, that goes out. <laughs> but yeah, Moon. I think I'm going to rewatch Moonstruck and yeah. see about that too. Okay, so I gave it three and a half stars. It's streaming on HBO and Amazon. Cool. Um, so next up is going to be my last one I'm talking about that I watched by myself. I watched a lot. Stayed up late watching movies. We need a lot sad this music whenever we we watch movies by ourselves. Yeah, you had three on this <laughs> list. I don't get don't go No, crazy. I'm saying for both of us. Yeah. Uh, no, it's good. I think it's good for us to spread out a little and see different stuff. Why okay. don't you like watching movies oh, with me God. anymore? All right. I watch <laughs> Castle of it's Blood. It's spliced together, not yeah. spliced alone. Spliced apart. <laughs> yeah. That's when we get if we get divorced. That's our that's spliced the spliced apart. Yeah, we'll have to the podcast. We have to split it up. And I'll record Custody. my parts and you can record your yeah, parts. Yeah, we'll, we'll spice them <laughs> we'll together. put it together for your mom. <laughs> all right. Anyways, the movie I watched uh, all by my lonesome is Castle of Blood, 1964. Uh, <laughs> also known as Danza Macabra, <laughs> uh, Italian movie by directed by Antonio Margariti, <laughs> which you might know that name from. Margariti. Inglourious Bastards. Thank yeah, you. I know. Uh, I wasn't telling you. I was telling mom. Margarita. Um, 
The living and the dead change places in an orgy of terror. That's a little extreme uh, for this movie, <laughs> but okay. Um, a writer accepts a wager that he cannot spend the night alone in a haunted castle on All Souls Eve. I don't know what that is. Is that Halloween? I believe it's Halloween Eve. Okay. Uh, once night falls at the castle, several who had been murdered therein return to life reliving their deaths and seeking to kill the writer for his blood in a vain attempt to stay alive beyond that one night. Starring Barbara Steele, Georges Riviere. I Mar- know Barbara Steele. Margaret Bobsam. Right? Yes, you do know Barbara Steele. Do you remember what you know her from? Is it Black Swan? Black Swan? The mom? Oh, is she? No, that's... Isn't it Barbara Hershey? That's who I'm thinking of. Never you mind. You do know Barbara Steele, though. She's in, she's in Black Sunday. She was the oh, witch. So I got half of it right. She's also in Shivers. <laughs> I forgot about that. Shivers. <laughs> so this is in a collection, um, a Severin. It's a one-disc thing. The movie in the main movie is Nightmare Castle, which I thought was okay. But it came comes with two other uh, um, gothic horror movies with Barbara Steele, uh, Castle of Blood. And I think the other one I haven't watched yet, but I think it's called Terror Creatures from Beyond the Grave. Um, great name. <laughs> What's the Italian name? Oh, I have no idea. Alas, ha. Ah. <laughs> um, but no, this is Castle of Blood. Um, and I thought this was kind of great. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, it, uh, it's kind of like a greatest hits of like gothic horror. It's got all of the Slapstick. elements. Slapstick. No. <laughs> You say greatest hits. I don't know. It's got all the classic elements you expect from a gothic core movie, like a spooky castle, mysterious ghosts, a bet to stay the night. And guess who makes the bet, by the way? Vincent Price. Edgar Allan Poe. There's a character. Somebody is playing Edgar Edgar Allan Poe in the movie, and he's involved. He basically is saying, like, no, my stories are not stories. They're They're accounts of real things I've experienced. Um, And so there's already this element of, like, supernatural um it's got a haunting romance it's got uh skulls on desks and beds with giant four post beds and yeah everything you might want from a (laughs) gothic horror movie um and just the whole setup where the guy goes in feeling like this is ridiculous like i'm gonna stay the night and then slowly but surely like weird things keep happening and like you see ever like i've had enough yeah he tries to escape and he can't (laughs) Um, so it ends up being like genuinely really cool and, and creepy in a way that um, I feel like a lot of these movies are just sort of silly. And Michelle's over here taking selfies with Harley. It's for the gram. Yeah, okay. Well, you'll all get to experience that. Well, instead of listening to me talk about Castle of Blood. Um, so anyways, I thought this was really cool. I would highly recommend it. I liked it much better than the main feature on this disc. Uh, this was a great. I'm really glad I watched this one. Um, Castle of Blood. 1964. I gave it four Blood. stars. It is not streamable anywhere, but you can rent it on Amazon, it looks like. Cool. Well, now you can take selfies while I talk about my next movie. Will do. Sun spliced apart. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had a fun little movie club of one going to the theater by yourself. Lucky you. <laughs> He's busy working. Uh, to see... The 2000 cult classic, <laughs> Ready to Rumble, no! <laughs> directed by Brian Robbins, who's probably done nothing. Oh, he did Good Burger. <laughs> Harper, you love Good Burger. 
I do like good burger. That's true. You know who else likes good burger? Who? Our number one fan, my mother. <laughs> Does she? Yeah, we all me and mom and Kendall all saw good burger in theaters. And mom is saying out loud right now, everyone, her butt <laughs> is fine. Because <laughs> mom thought that was the funny. Welcome thing to Good Burger. Home, Home of the of Good, the good burger. burger. Can, Can I, I take, take your, your order? order? Who loves orange soda? Carol loves orange soda. Carmen Electra, probably. <laughs> anyway, ready to rumble. They're headed to the big time face first. Two slacker wrestling fans are devastated by the ousting of their favorite character by an inscrupulous oh <laughs> promoter. Wait till you hear who this promoter is. So, starring David Arquette, Scott Kahn. Wait, you were supposed to say. Amen. David Arquette. Scott Conn. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I was going to hit it again. Harper got mad. Uh, I didn't get mad. <laughs> that's what he edited out. <laughs> uh, Chris Owen. Didn't do anything. Oliver Plot. Rose Wait, McGowan. Oliver? Oh, yeah, I remember Oliver Plot. And the promoter, Joe Pantaleone, uh, who has really, really long straight hair. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you didn't tell me that. I forgot. Also, you got Bill Goldberg, Martin Landau. Uh, Is Bill Goldberg the Goldberg? Yeah. Okay. Where's um, the main dude? Diamond Dallas Page. I don't see him on here. <laughs> That's weird. That is weird. Um, and like a hundred other wrestlers that I would have no idea if uh, they are wrestlers or not on this list. So, so many wrestlers from the late 90s slash early 2000s era. Yeah. Uh, so I went to the plaza to see this. It was a special screening with Diamond Dallas Page himself in mm -hmm. person. He did a quick intro before the movie and gave away like a huge art print to some person. Free raffle for everyone who attended. It was crazy. crazy. Um, and then we all watched the movie and we're like, hee hee hee, it's not that funny, but it's fun to watch together. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said yeah. to the person next to you. <laughs> I was by myself. I had a whole row to myself <laughs> um and then after the movie there was a q a with ddp himself ddp and then he did like a signing and stuff i didn't stick around for that because i don't i but, didn't know who what he else was. did he do michelle <laughs> he talked about his yoga program no, what else did he do though Oh yeah, the main thing he got his his wife to contact David Arquette, and David Arquette called in live. Ah, he Facetimed with the entire Plaza Theater. Yeah, it was crazy. Amazing. That's still not what I was talking about, though. Oh, it's not. Oh, we all did the the diamond cutter, diamond cutter, <laughs> bang or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I learned all about wrestling, and now I'm an honorary wrestler. Are you? Yes. Okay. I did the diamond cutter. I also didn't know he was from Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. I and he used to work either. at like a power plant and some dude he worked with was like, yo, DDP, you should do this when you go out on stage. And he's really? like, I'll try it. <laughs> do you think he went by Diamond Dallas Page when he worked there? Probably. <laughs> definitely. And then he was all like, I used to tape all my shows, uh, but then I would each night to watch them back. And then I would just retape them, and I'm really upset because like I lost all these great this great footage with all these early wrestlers, and I was like, dude, archives, archives. you need an archivist, archivist. <laughs> I think you should contact DDP. 
I feel like I know I know a, a wrestler fan who is an archivist who should contact him, but it's not hmm. me. It's not me. Interesting. Um, but anyway, the movie, <laughs> the experience was a lot of fun. The movie did not hold up as as well as I remember because I used to watch this a lot uh, back in the day. But there are some great like one-liners with David Arquette just like screaming passionately about wrestling. That's really funny. So I feel like if you're a wrestling fan, it would, it's perfect to watch because yeah. you're going to love it like unconditionally because you're like, that's us. <laughs> We're wrestler fans. Yeah, I mean, that's probably um, what it was aimed at. Largely. Yeah. And it also is crazy, like just how many wrestlers are in it. And then the actual like final death match is pretty fun to watch because it's a three tiered steel cage match. Hmm. So it's crazy. Is it better than that fighting with my family movie we watched? Mm, probably on part. I mean, this is definitely a comedy that yeah. was didn't feel Little as comedic. Stairs. Yeah. So it's like that. But with David Arquette. <laughs> Got it. Now I understand. Yeah. Um, but it was fun listening to DDP tell about like all this b- crazy stories because he loves to talk about wrestling. Yeah, it sounded like it. A lot. <laughs> you would ask him like, hey, what's your name? And be like, well, I was born in like in my whole life story leading up to the moment where I picked my name. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun though. So I don't know if we should watch it. It's like, I don't know if you would you would get it. If you're if you're <laughs> if you're about it, I'm gonna say probably because no. I've always I've had this on my list forever for like my birthday extravaganza mm-hmm. marathon, and I'm like I don't know is this the year where Harper Watch is ready to rumble? <laughs> I still can't get over you're not that. Filling me with confidence. Oh, that never stopped me before though. <laughs> that's that's for sure. I just can't get over that Scott Con is doing like these really bad comedies from 2000. Why have we ever seen him in anything good? Well, his dad. Yeah. Lots of people. I just mean like you think he would start off like something a little more highbrow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He got there with Ocean's Eleven, I guess. Mafia stuff. Yeah. So I guess it's not streaming. You'd have to rent it. So worth it, worth four dollars. It's worth watching for free. (laughs) I don't know about renting. If it's ever free again, we'll watch it. Okay, (laughs) so I gave it three stars. All right, but it's mostly for the experience of doing the diamond cutter (laughs) with DDP. We became BFFs. That's pretty cool. You don't get to do that every day. (laughs) We don't. So, ready to rumble? Watch it if you like wrestling. All right. What's our very last movie? Is it really that time? Our last movie. So our last movie is Hollywood Shuffle. (laughs) Which came out in 1987. (laughs) Directed by Robert Townsend. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Just felt like throwing that in there. Bobby Taylor was on his way to becoming a star when a funny thing happened. (laughs) That's a weird tagline. Aspiring actor and hot dog stand employee Bob, Bobby Taylor catches the ire of his grandmother for auditioning for a role in the regrettably titled exploitation film Jive Time Jimmy's Revenge. When Tinseltown Studios cast Taylor in the title role, he's, he has a series of conflicted dreams. Satirizing. My brain is stopping. You can finish it. Satirizing African-American <laughs> stereotypes in Hollywood and must reconcile 
His career goals with his desire to remain a positive role model for his little brother. So I'm not having a stroke. I'm having a brain frog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Starring Robert Townsend, Craigus R. Johnson, Helen Martin, Starletta Dupuis, Keenan Irene Waynes. Wait, where's all the Waynes? So you got Keenan Waynes, Damon Waynes. Kim Wayne. Kim Wayne's. I think that's all the ones. No, there's there. another there's, one. Well, there are, but not, <laughs> not in this movie, I don't think. But this movie also has uh, 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 other people we knew. Rusty Cundiff and... Um, um, Paul um, Mooney. Paul Mooney. Yeah, that's who I was trying to think of. And what's his name? John Witherspoon. Yeah. So we almost bought this in the Criterion sale, and I regret it. We didn't get it yeah, because Harper I, bought oh God, it's the a wrong whole, movie. It's a whole thing. I bought a movie <laughs> thinking it was one movie, and it turned out it was a different movie with the same name. So yeah. I spent a bunch of money in Criterion. Damn it. <laughs> we should have gotten Hollywood Shuffle. We should have. So, yeah, this was actually really, really funny and clever. Yes. And I liked it. I and loved it. for how, like, low-budget, shoestring, put-together-with-your-friends type of movie, it really works. It's really funny. It kind of feels like a bunch of skits just tied together, which it is, but it doesn't feel like disjointed. No, it, it like works. it keeps the plot moving. hundred percent. It works really well. And they're all like they don't just like come out of nowhere. Most of them are like in context. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, they're watching a movie on TV and that's the movie, or um I'm trying to remember what some of the other like setups, but Well, you have like the film critic yeah. one. Where they're talking about like, oh, I, you know, they're just sitting around a basketball yeah. court talking about movies and that, that prompts them to think about, oh, like, what if we had like a uh, uh, Ebert, Siskel and Ebert Siskel, sort of show? Yeah. Roger and Ebert. That's not right. <laughs> Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, most importantly, it's genuinely really, really funny. I mean, yeah. like I laughed out loud kind of throughout the whole movie. I thought it's it was true. so, so funny. You did. Uh, but it's also like super clever satire too. Like it's really, uh, really smart idea. I mean, it's sad that like we're still dealing with this second yeah. problem that this movie's <laughs> satirizing. But yeah, that like these uh, black actors are like th they go to their audition and the guy's like, "I did three years at Juilliard," and yeah. like you know he's like super <laughs> smart and like like ridiculously cliche overqualified. overqualified. Yeah, and like I will be auditioning for the role of like. Pimp number three. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It does yeah. like this terrible, like, pimp voice or whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's so funny. It's so funny. They do a horror movie where it's like pimp zombies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. It's all over the place. There's so much funny stuff in this movie. And then you, they also, I assume, perfectly cast the, like, the like white director who wrote all the like oh, man. slang and stuff. And he's yeah. like, no, it needs to be more black. Like, <laughs> Tell him to make it more Black. Yes. <laughs> and then you got the casting or lady. He's like, tell like, him to make it more, you know. <laughs> you know. And then the assistant director or whatever is like, black it up or yeah. whatever. <laughs> and then the the lady casting director, she's just like, it needs to be funny, but smart. And like, yeah. serious, but also, Innocent, can you do it? Yeah. Tough. Yeah. And then can you be like Eddie Murphy? <laughs> yeah. And called, yeah. And he has, there's like a whole part where he like, it's like he's being taken over by like an Eddie Murphy disease. Yeah. <laughs> he like can't help it. It's really funny. The whole movie is kind of amazing. I, yeah. would, I would watch this again in a heartbeat. I thought it was a blast. Yeah, it was great. Um, And it's on Showtime. 
Yeah, that's where we watched it. Right? Yeah, it's not on Criterion Channel. Also, I forgot we saw Robert Townsend in The Warriors oh, and right. Streets of Fire, but I don't remember him. Well, wasn't that crazy about Streets of Fire? And The yeah. Warriors was a long time ago when we watched that. And I think he directed another movie after this called Meteor Man, where he plays a black superhero. Huh. That's funny, given given that there's like a yeah. bit in this movie about that. It looks really weird. I don't know if it's supposed to be good or bad or funny or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hollywood Shuffle, any other thoughts? No, I loved it. Yeah, so people should definitely go watch this one. It was great. I gave it four and a half stars. That's two what? movies. Wait, two movies this month or maybe even three? I gave it four. Four stars. I'm very picky That's with my three four movies and a this half. month. I did four and a half. Ninth Configuration, History of the Occult, and Hollywood Shuffle. It's really good movies. This I month. gave Ninth Configuration four and a half, but that's it. I'm a stickler. All right. All I right. rarely go over four and a half. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. So I guess that wraps up the roundup part. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Harley is like, why did I Harley come down alarmed. here? <laughs> she is alarmed. Uh, so let's move on to our mini segment. Yeah, so we're going to talk about some Oscar stuff right after this. One, two, three, four. All right, so we're back, and we're going to talk about the Oscars. We don't have our fancy Oscar noise anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, all we have are apes. <laughs> yeah. Ape musket. Ape musket. <laughs> ape. Uh, yeah, my main takeaways of the Oscars was, could have used a lot more ape. Yeah. Bring back the ape uh, uh, presenters. Yeah. Uh, anyways, what what were your, just, what was your overall thought on the the Oscars as like a TV event. Was it fun? As a TV event, it was a little boring. Agreed. Um, I always enjoy, we go to Oscar party every year and I always enjoy that. So it's fun doing like Mm -hmm. Oscar bingo and trivia and all of that jazz. But the Oscars themselves, uh, Jimmy Kimmel as a host was okay. He had some funny jokes, but not all of them were hits i thought he was really funny but they like front loaded all of it in the very beginning yeah it was and then, weird he just disappeared yeah he was like barely in the rest of the show um best joke though goes to hugh grant saying mm-hmm. that he looked like a scrotum mm-hmm. so <laughs> win <laughs> yeah that was very funny yeah <laughs> um i did not i did not understand the weird like little commercials for like the studios oh God, and the like awful. little mermaid, little mermaid. trailer and then, of course, never really enjoy the performances either. Except for one. Yeah. Or RR two, actually. I was good. It's a little movie that your mom probably hasn't heard of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the RR dance performance was really cool. And I liked the, uh, is it This Is a Life? Is that what it's called? The one from um, Everywhere, Everything Yeah, Everywhere with, with David, David Byrne, Byrne and hot dog hands and stuff. Yeah, that was fun. 
Um, the Lady Gaga one was weird because so weird. It, they like threw her in like two hours before the show started. She's like, oh, she will perform now. And it was like all zoomed up. We could see her pores. Do. It's like, please back off of her. So <laughs> Give her bizarre. some space. It was so weird. Yeah. Um, I can't remember any awkward moments. I can name one. Which one? Brennan Fraser's speech. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about speeches then. I don't know that there's many other speeches to comment on that much, but his, I'm super glad he won because he, you know, it was definitely more of like a legacy thing and, yeah. you know, that suit. Um, but he, he is good in the movie for sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, and we love Brendan Fraser in this household. But God, his speech was awful. <laughs> it was so awful. He just like mentioned every whale Moby Dick ship. Like, it was like, boy, this is a whale of an award. Yeah. Uh, I like to fa- thank my first mate. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just kept every like 10 seconds was like, oh, yeah, it's another weird, awkward and, yeah, naval uh, thing. I didn't <laughs> listen to it if he had won like a Golden Globe or anything. I don't remember anyone saying his speech was weird. He should have just gone the emotional he route. He should have just walked up and when he first spoke to the mic, he should have said, ahoy. Yeah. Matey. <laughs> I find it a little odd, though. Like, him and Kei Kwan, they both won. Mm-hmm. And I'm just surprised they're all, like, into it again. It's like, oh, like, Hollywood turned their back on y'all, and now you're just, like, eating it up. Like, you don't have any resentment anymore? Fair. Like, I'd be kind of pissed at them. I was like, Brendan Fraser, especially, he got blacklisted for sexual harassment. Yeah. Like, he was a victim, and they're just like, nope, not giving you roles. Yeah. And then Kei Kwan is all like only giving him stereotypical Asian roles. It's like, oh, well, yeah, that's a fair point. It's a it's a it's a weird double edged yeah. sword thing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I hope it works out for the best of, for both of them that they both start getting uh, more roles and stuff. Yeah. Um, what else were some? Uh, well, there were a lot of surprise wins. I think that was one good yes. thing about the ceremony. Um. I think one of the biggest ones, Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, went to Jamie Lee Curtis. We really thought it was going to be Angela Bassett. Yeah, that seemed like the favorite. Um, and she's the only good thing in Black Panther. Really? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't don't know that she necessarily deserved it for that movie. But I mean, we love Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. in this house. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, but I love that in her speech, she said, uh, you know, thanks to all the like genre fans who've been supporting my movies all. That's all us. And I was like, that's <laughs> us. Yeah. So that was, uh, it was pretty cool to see her yeah. win an Oscar. That's a big deal for her. Um, what were some other surprises? I don't think Michelle Yeoh was a surprise really, but no, it was definitely. like, it will be a big deal if she won. Well, and no, same I, think it was a surprise. I thought Kate Blanchett was pretty favored for that. Well, as the night went on, you could tell that everything was going to everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everything was going. To <laughs> yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm glad she won though. Yeah, I am too. She's really good. Especially if Jamie Lee Curtis is going to get win, then yeah, Michelle Yeoh definitely deserves it. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, everything, everywhere, editing one for editing, which like that guy is like a super young. He's like, this is my first movie, <laughs> second movie, <laughs> or second movie, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, everything, yeah. everywhere had a total of eleven wow. nomination and won seven. Yeah, all quiet was probably the second most, right? One, I think one, they won two, four, 
three, yeah, four. It won a whole bunch at the beginning. We were like, oh, wow, this is definitely going Yeah, they won all the technical stuff. So they got score, production design, cinematography, and international feature. Yeah. I thought, oh, and then Top Gun won sound. Yeah. And Way of Water won visual effects. No no surprise. I'm a little surprised he wasn't there, though. Uh, I can't, yeah. (laughs) He's probably underwater I did like Jimmy Kimmel making fun of him. Yeah. Uh, saying that he's like a uh, James Cameron master of humility. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, everything everywhere won like it won director and best picture, which doesn't. I don't think that happens that often. People Usually keep saying that, but I feel like it has the last few. Maybe times. like fifty. No, maybe it's fifty fifty. Um, but uh, when that happens, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you know, I love that movie. I thought it was awesome. So I think it's it's pretty cool and it's pretty exciting to see a movie that's like totally bizarre and outside the norm and by some a pair of directors who we've liked a couple of their past movies and yeah. never would have imagined in our wildest dreams they would have even been nominated much mm-hmm. less won seven oscars that's pretty wild i was pretty surprised that the navalny documentary won over fire of love yeah that one was a little bit of a surprise yeah although we haven't seen it so it's hard to judge but that but that's kind of the thing is usually there's like one documentary a year that like is popular like fire of love is like the one that we saw trailers for in theaters Mm -hmm. and stuff um so yeah that was a little surprising for sure and then women talking which didn't see haven't read any of the book or anything Mm -hmm. that one best adapted screenplay but i did like her speech and how she's like i'm glad hollywood wasn't afraid of the words women and talking being so close together. <laughs> um, and then the Daniels were up there forever. They were cute. <laughs> Several times. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Guillermo del Toro. Spinocchio. He's the first to win what? Director, best picture and best animated. Something like that. Yeah. He's um, just doing his own little thing with his little models and yeah, puppets. It is I very love it. Cute. <laughs> uh, I was glad that Natu Natu won Best Original Song. I mean, if it didn't, there would have been riots. <laughs> there would have been very stylized riots yes, featuring suspenders. zoo animals and suspenders. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad they won. Yeah, I am too, for sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was an interesting ish night. It was better than last year, for sure. I do get tired, though. It's like. There's always like one movie that wins everything. Like, what if everybody just won one? <laughs> Spread it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, there were. I'm trying. I feel to like the of... voting just isn't exactly right. Like, I don't know how they vote. It's ranked voting. Is that what it is? Yeah, well, it's complicated too because it's like the nominations come from within the guilds, but then yeah. everybody votes on the winners. So it's. I really think people shouldn't be allowed to vote until they watch them all either. Well, that's hard because then Bones and All would have been nominated. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that is a good call. Yeah, it's uh, I love everything everywhere all at once. I liked most of the movies that won, like all the stuff that won, uh, aside from Navalny and Women Talking. Yeah, all the other movies were movies we saw and more or less liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so the um, insurance Banshees of Insurance didn't win anything. I don't think, that's for which I was yeah, a little that surprised. That is pretty weird because I I thought there was a real good chance I was going to win a screenplay or a yeah. director award or something. I'm just glad Elvis didn't win. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, as much as I love everything everywhere, um, there were lots of good movies last year. It would have been nice to see some other things represented. Yeah. So no, no, no. it's okay. It's kind of a boring ceremony, but I guess boring is what they were probably going for after last year. 
Um, so we'll see how it ends up next year. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm getting less and less interested in the Oscars every year. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of a big circle jerk. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and I can't wait till next year when we get to see the museum commercial for the 100th oh time. God. <laughs> They're Seriously. like, please come. <laughs> please come visit us. <laughs> what will be the what will be the dumb Disney live action movie that they'll be remaking and pushing on all of us next year? Hmm. Oh, I haven't they touched yet. They've done Lion King, Mermaid. It'll be like one of the like lower tier ones, like Aristocats. I would watch that though. <laughs> live action real Aristocats. Cats. Yeah. <laughs> Has to be real cats, not animated cats. <laughs> all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> Flubber yeah. again, <laughs> yeah, with real flubbers. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was. I don't know, whatever. But uh, yeah, that was the Oscars, so now we can shut up about the Academy for another year, uh, yes. and focus on trash movies again. Because <laughs> we really stopped focusing on trash movies oh, for all of one How day. Hard did Michelle <laughs> just roll her eyes. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I think that basically wraps us up. Um, so that's it for this one, but don't forget, you can always see a list of all the movies that we talked about on this episode on our letterboxd. Ah! <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at spliced podcast or Instagram at spliced together podcast. Ah! Let us know what you. Oh, sorry. Ah! <laughs> Watch this month. Uh, and we'll see you soon. On, on another episode of Splice Together. Together. Together.